Hello, I'm Dr. Jonathan Barker, pastor here at Amazing Grace Baptist Church in Mount Airy, North Carolina. I would like to personally thank you for taking out time today to tune in to our preaching podcast. We hope that this message will be a great encouragement to your heart today. Micah chapter number 2 is where I'm going to pull my text out of, verse number 12 and verse number 13. And while you're finding your place there, I'm going to turn over here to the book of Ephesians and read, if I can find it, I I didn't mark it and I meant to, um, but if I can find it, I'm going to read a a verse of Scripture out of here that I didn't think that I was going to read, but um, I do think it it will add on to this. But um, let me just see if I can find it real quick. Let me read right here in verse number, or chapter number 2 in the book of Ephesians. Uh, let me begin in verse number 12. And at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But verse number 13, But now in Christ Jesus, who, who sometimes were far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. And now if you find, if you got your place in the book of Micah, I'm going to read two verses of Scripture to you here. And when you find your place in Micah chapter number 2, um, verse number 12 and verse number 13, let me read those to you. And you can, when you find your place, please stand for the reading and reverence to God's Word. Um, but in Micah chapter number 2, verse number 12, the Bible says this, I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of thee. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together as the sheep, of Borzai, as the flock in the midst of their fold. They shall make great noise by reason of their multitude of men. The bra- Here's the verse that I'm really going to look at too in these first couple of words. The breaker is come up before them. They have broken up and have passed through the gate and are gone out by it. And their king shall pass before them. And the Lord, or, and the Lord on the head of them... That word, the breaker, right there really stuck out to me. And we're going to look at that word, the breaker, tonight with the help of the Lord. Uh, Please bow with as we pray. Jesus, Lord, I thank you for what you do for us, God. God, I thank you, Lord, for your love and your mercy and your peace, God. And God, I pray, God, that you'd help us tonight clear our minds, God. God, I pray, God, that you'd bring back to memory everything that we studied, God. I pray, God, that we'll say what you'd have us to say and do what you'd have us to do tonight, God. I pray, God, that you would open our hearts, open our minds, God. God, I pray, God, that you'd use us tonight, God. Preach us like a dying man to a dying people, God. God, help us tonight, God. I pray, God, if there's one here lost, God, that tonight's the night they'll come to know you as their personal Savior, God. God, I pray, God, again, touch our pastor tonight and use him, God. And we'll be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. The book of Micah, for a way of introduction, is what we call a minor prophet. And uh, uh, we call him a minor prophet not because of of, of anything really, but just because he doesn't have as much to say. And um, Micah, he ministered during a time uh, when, when Israel's people were thriving economically, but they were suffering spiritually. And he was, he, he, he was during a time where uh, uh, there was three kings that, if you go all the way back to Micah chapter number 1, there was three kings um, that is mentioned there in verse number 1. It is uh, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. When you study out those three kings, they are mentioned in, in, in line with each other in the book of Kings. We find out that Jotham had done right in the sight of the Lord. You find out that Ahaz done right in the sight of the Lord. And in Hezekiah, you find out that he done right in the eyes of the Lord. The only difference between these three that I can find is that after Jotham is mentioned, we find out that there is this word, how be it. 
When you find and you study him out, you'll see he was he done right that which was right in the sight of the Lord. How be it? He done something wrong. And Ahaz is the same way. Ahaz, we find out that he done right, that which was right in the sight of the Lord. But then we find out he done something that was against the word of the Lord. And then when we get to Hezekiah, he done right that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And Hezekiah, the Lord, describes him and says there was none like him before him or after him. Hezekiah was a great king. I found what made, why, why was Israel thriving so much economically during this time? I believe it's because they were trying to put God first. I believe that these three kings were trying their best to put God first in the nation of Israel. They didn't have everything squared away exactly right, but they were at least trying as I can study them out. But Micah, when he writes these words, Micah is very quick to the point. He doesn't give a long introduction. He don't, he don't kick around the bush. He's a straight shooter, and he gets right into it. He gives you one verse of introduction of who he is. Now, we don't know if Micah wrote the book of Micah, but for, for, we're gonna, it's his words, so I'm going to say it like, he, like it was him. But he gives us one verse of introduction, and then he enters right into verse number 2 when it, we find it's like a courtroom setting um, in there. And we find out that he is calling out the nation of Israel. He is saying that God is sick and tired of what you're doing. He is, he's fixing to, uh, God's judgment is fixing the fall on the nation of Israel. And we read chapters 1 and chapter 2 of the book of Micah. You will find out that that is exactly what uh, the Lord is trying to tell the people of Israel. He is shouting out a warning that judgment is coming. And folks, can I tell you tonight, when I look at this world, and I look and see how dark and wicked that it is, I can't help but tell you tonight, but there is judgment coming to this world. We, we are closer now than we've ever been to the second coming of the Lord. And judgment is coming tonight. And I, and I think uh, uh, Micah, he's just, I just really enjoyed studying him this week. I've really, really enjoyed looking at uh, some things that he said. And, and, and we find out that in chapter number 1, down in verse number 9, he starts talking about a place called Samaria. And Samaria is an interesting place in our Bible. It really is. Samaria is super interesting. Uh, we find them in John chapter number 4 when Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. That is the first mention of them since before captivity when they were utterly destroyed, I believe. I believe that was this, it got down to, as Isaiah describes it in chapter 1 of the book of Isaiah, a very small remnant is all that was left. And we find out that, they were, that, that, that you can trace them all the way back to the house of Joseph, uh, to the house of Joseph and to a man, by uh, Joseph's son, Ephraim. And Ephraim, we know, was a man full of pride. Ephraim was over there with, with Gideon and in Gideon's army, and he was wanting to be part of the 300 that Gideon took the, to, uh, to face that great army. And uh, he was not part of those, and he got mad, and he got jealous, and pride built up inside of him. And when you can trace from there, you can trace it all the way down the line, all the way, you can even find them over in Ezekiel, uh, where he's talking about the dry bones. You can find the Ephraimites that are there in the house of Jacob that is there. And then you continue to trace them all the way to a place called Samaria. And Samaria was going to be utterly destroyed. It says in verse number 9, it says her wound was incurable. Her wound was incurable. And what that means, that was a self-inflicted wound. That wound was self-inflicting that Samaria had put 
on themselves. It was a wound that was caused by idolatry. It was wounds caused by following after false prophets and, and chasing after, th- coveting uh, the fields as we find in chapter number 2. And just being wicked is what it happens. And I can I tell you right now that uh, if you get in, if you start dealing in idolatry and you start listening to false prophets, before long you will be attached with an incurable disease that may only be cured by judgment. That's what was taking place here. And then we get to the very end of chapter number 2. And Micah here is, he, he, he has poured out his heart when you read it. I really think you can see in chapter number 2 the heart of Micah. You can find it. He is trying to, to, to shout out a warning to people to turn from their wicked ways. And in verse number 12 he says, I will sure, I, he, he changes gears. He reached down and grabs another gear and throws it in low gear to get up a mountain. I believe that's what he does. And the whole, the, whole ver- the whole chapter changes in these two verses. And it's the Lord speaking at this point. He says, I will surely assemble, O Jacob, all of thee. I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together as the sheep of Borza and as the, flo- and, 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 as the flock in the midst of their fold. They shall make great noise by reason of multitude of men. And then it says right here, The breaker has come up before them. They have broken up and have passed through the gate and are gone out by it, and their king shall pass before them, and the Lord God the head of them. Have you ever heard the Lord Jesus Christ referred to as the breaker? Spurgeon said this, and I'm probably going to refer a lot to Spurgeon because I really used his stuff uh, for this, and he, he said, a, he's always says a lot of good things, but he really has some good things to say about this. Spurgeon said, He who has many crowns has many titles. Jesus, the King of kings, has many names, each of them filled with meaning and full of sweetness. The glorious names of Jesus are like windows through which we see his attributes and character, in which we experience his power and presence. For the name of Jehovah is forever and ever a strong tower for the righteous who run into it and make it their safe haven. David learned these through manifold trials, those who know from experience, and not just a a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge of the Lord God's name. They will put their trust in Him. Spurgeon also said this, Ignorance is worse when it amounts to ignorance of God, and knowledge is best when when it exercises itself upon the name of God. The most excellent knowledge leads to the most excellent grace of faith. Knowing his name, his name means as an experienced acquaintance with the attributes of God, which serves as the anchors to hold our soul from drifting. What I'm saying and what Spurgeon was trying to say here is that if you can find the names of the Lord and you start looking at the attributes of God, no matter what you're facing, no matter what hard times you're going through, He is always there for you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's always there and He will always be there. And so whatever that you are facing today, whatever you may be about to face tomorrow, God will be there to break the chains that will will try to hold you down and tie you down. You may bend and you may bruise like a like a battered reed the breaker will not break off or break away he is there for you in church tonight when i started studying that breaker right there i found out some things about it that breaker is almost kind of like a breacher when you study out the word breaker you'll find out it's kind of like a breach into a, into a into an alleyway or into an opening and can i tell you what the lord jesus christ is exactly that 
He has gone before us. He has already made the path for us. All we have to do is follow it. If I try to get out that back door and I go through the open path, it's pretty easy. But when I get over here and try it my own way, I may miss the mark. I was thinking about this and I found a great illustration to what I'm trying to say tonight. And that is the Gateway Arch in St. Louis. Completed in 1965, the glittering stainless steel Gateway Arch in St. Louis allows visitors to ride at the top and view the stunning panorama that recalls the role the city has played as the gateway to the west. Initially shaped as to resemble a, a rainbow, it speaks of an era in American history when lands beyond the Mississippi beckoned uh, daring uh, pioneers with unprecedented promises of bright beginnings and fantastic for, uh, fortunes. The ark commemorates how St. Louis became the departure point of massive immigrants by foot, horse, wagon, railroad, or boat in keeping uh, with our nation's sense of manifest destiny, transforming the makeup of the continent in, in its process. Just like Jesus Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father, serves as God's gateway. That's who we pray. He's sitting on the right hand of the Father, making intercessions for us. That, that, and and with, with groanings that cannot be uttered. That's what the Lord Jesus Christ is doing tonight. And if you want to know what the Bible is talking about here, when he says the breaker has gone up before them, it's talking about none other than the Lord Jesus Christ has done paid the path. He's done, went, he's done went that way. He's there waiting on you. And no matter what you're facing, you may be facing one of the darkest moments of your life, but God is there waiting on you. Tomorrow you may get in your car or you may answer the phone tonight and it may be right then the darkest moment of your life your life but can I tell you right now honey that God is already there God is already he's going to meet you on the other side he's going to be there for you all you got to do is look for him he's there I can tell you this and, and during hard times and during dark times and, and during times where it feels like just the world's falling apart it's sometimes we forget to look for God can I just be honest with you I just be real with you for a little while you know it's it's easy to look for God when you're preparing for something to be bad. Now, I remember when mom got sick, first got sick and, and with her battle with cancer and we knew cancer was bad, and, but you prepare yourself. You start praying that, yes, cancer's bad. Take the cancer from her. But it's nothing like sitting there in the hospital when you know without a shadow of a doubt that she's about to draw her last breath. It's completely different. And can I tell you, to be honest with you, church, I'm just as real as anybody else here, I promise you. There was times I forgot to look for him. There was times I forgot to look for him. That's just my flesh. There was times that I was looking for the right doctor to come in the door. There was times when I would get so frustrated. I'd probably make Mama mad when I started talking about it. I know I did. I, I, I always said, Mom, are they doing enough? Can't the doctors do more? Why do you got to sit here and suffer? Can't they do more? And I always get mad, and, and, and I know my sisters, I get frustrated with them, they get frustrated with me. And, but what I was doing is I was trying to find my way. But God already had a path. He was at the end of the path waiting on me. He had already breached the door. I called Brother Ryan this afternoon. One of y'all don't know him, it's Brother Ryan Hayes. He's a narcotics officer in Wilkes County. And, and uh, I could not think of a word, I could not think of the word breach. I don't know why that word was not coming to my mind. I could not think of it. But I was also kind of hoping he'd give me some other big term, Brother Brian. I mean, a go-getter term. He's one of those. He's got those terms. And, and, and I said, well, who's the first guy in the door if you're going to hit a house? He said the idiot. No, I'm just kidding. 
I'm just kidding. He didn't say that, but I thought about that to myself. That'd be the dummy. The first one ends the dummy. He said, actually, the first one that actually does it is a breacher, and he hits the door to clear the path for everyone else. He hits the door and clears the path for everyone else. I got to thinking about that. You know, that gets you a little excited when you think about what the Lord's done. He's tasted death. He died on the cross. You know, it's, we can have a fear of dying. I don't have, I like to preach. I like what he says. I don't have a fear of dying. I just have a fear of the way I'm going to die. You know, just falling asleep sounds pretty nice to me, but there's a whole lot of other ways out there. I mean, it is Shark Week. Have y'all seen them things? Them things could swallow me whole, Brother Josh. But I'm just scared of the way I'm going to die. But he's already tasted death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Where is it at? It's because he's already, he's already faced it. He's already there, and he's just waiting for us just to follow him. I thought about this right here, and I'm, I'm, I may be done quick tonight, but I just, I just want to hope I'm going to be a blessing to you. Think about this right here. Number one tonight, uh, talking about the breaker and who the breaker is and what the breaker is. The breaker, let's look at this right here, the placement of the breaker. The breaker is what went in first. It's, it's the punch a hole through it. I, I, as a football terminology, it would be the fullback. Fullback hit the hole, boom, bust the hole wide open. Now, they don't run the fullback anymore like they used to. Now, they used to have a fullback that hit the hole and, and, and open up the hole for the, for the running back to get through. He would be the breaker out front, be in front of us. He's already done this. So I got to thinking about this, and I got to thinking about Adam. When thinking about somebody that done something first, you can't help but go from Adam because he done everything first because he was the first one here. But as I study the life of Adam and I think about the life of Adam, the only thing that I can think Adam ever broke was the law. The law was, that's the only thing he ever broke was the law. Think about this, this last Adam, which is Jesus, he, he was broken on the cross to break the barrier that sin had built between God and man. When the Lord created Adam, he gave man his life. When he redeemed man, he gave his own life. And that's what Jesus done. That's that being a front, that breaker that he is. He's in front of us. He's the one that guides us and leads us. In Deuteronomy 31, Moses went and spake these words unto all of Israel. And he said unto them, I am 120 years old this day, and I can no more go, go out and come in. Also the Lord hath said unto me, Thou shalt not go over this Jordan. The Lord thy God, he will go over before thee. And he will destroy these nations from before thee. And thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, he shall go over before thee as the Lord hath said. We look right there that before they even crossed over Jordan into the promised land, into our dispensation, into our mind, that victorious Christian life, God has already crossed over it. He's already done that. He's already been there. And he's, we just got to follow him to it. Spurgeon adds again that Christ marches in front of his sheep. The good shepherd clearing the way the pioneer of the heavenly army, the breaker, the breaker through of every difficulty, the king overcoming all foes. The breaker is gone forth in love with power and skill divine, descending from the realms above to quell his foes and ours as well. Now, if you study out right there in Deuteronomy, you find out then that, there, that God was going to go before them and get over there, and he was going to pave the path for them to get through. And can I tell you here tonight, sometimes being a Christian's hard. I told you before, I was real. And I'm just going to be real with you again tonight. Sometimes it's hard. As the, old, as the old track coach at Surrey Central would say, if it was easy, everybody would do it. If it was easy, everybody would do it. But it's hard sometimes. It really is. It's not easy. But I wouldn't trade it for the world. It's the greatest life that you could ever live.
How do people make it without him? I'll never know. Well, they don't make it without him. That's as simple as it gets. They may look like they put on a show, but they don't make it without him. It's the truth tonight. That's what he does. He's there for us. Micah says our breaker goes up before us. So wherever your path leads today, you can rest assured that your breaker has already thread, tread that path. Uh, let it, uh, you ain't got to fix our eyes on his lovely face and our ears on his winsome voice, remembering that Christ never drives his sheep, but always leads them, clearing their path. I, I worked at Lydall for many years, and I worked in the, um, for five years, I say many years, for five years, that's not many years, but for five years I worked there. And uh, it's a hot place if you've ever been there. I'm pretty sure Satan runs from it because it's so hot. But uh, I worked in the shipping department. And we would ship out. I'm telling you, we would bust tail, Brother Robert. We, we had five dock doors. And these are 53-foot trailers that we'd fill up to the, from the nose to tail. And from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., we would fill 30 trucks. And those short, and that's just in a few hours right there from 6 to 10 a.m. 30 trucks would come in and out of those dock doors. And sometimes we'd get behind, you know. You know, it's not just been since 2020 that you can't get supplies. It just seems like it. Uh, but we'd get behind. And we had this old truck driver that came in. He's a little different than we are. Uh, I think he believed in God, I, I think. Uh, I question it some days. But uh, we'd get backed up. And, of course, it, trucking is, is their lives. You know, they got to get from point A to point B as quick as possible. Think about their family. Especially these guys because they was running one day. For Scotty. They'd, be, they'd leave uh, Tennessee, drive to Yadkinville and drive back to Tennessee all in one day and they had to get home because they had to turn around and do it the next day. And so if we held him up, we were holding him up for his whole day and how much time he was going to get to spend at home that night. And so we was holding him up one day and, and he come in there and he never pushed, he never got in a, in a, in a tizzy on, on it. And one day he looked at me and said this right here, he said, son, listen to me, quit stressing so much because I'd get stressed out, I'm telling you. You get all these trucks going, you got, you got a million dollars of, of material sitting on a truck, you got to get it out the door. Somebody's screaming here, somebody's screaming here, somebody's screaming there, and I'm ready to scream. And um, he looked at me one day and grabbed me by the shoulder. He said, let me tell you some wisdom. And I said, all right, tell me some wisdom. He said, you can't push a chain. And I got to thinking, I was like, you dummy, what are you talking about? And a few days later, it happened again. I got frustrated, and I was trying to get through. He said, remember what I told you, you can't push a chain. He said, and then, and then one day he said it again. He looked at me, he said, you look puzzled. I said, I am. Explain yourself. He said, go out there and lay your chain out and try to push it. He said, all them links will just get tied up together. They'll never, you'll never push the chain. He, the only way you can do is pull it. And that's the truth. Jesus ain't going to push you, but he will pull you. He's out in front of you. He's there. He's guided you. He wants to be there for you. Just let him. Just let him. Just let him guide you. Just let him take you where he wants you to go. Can I promise you, he'll never lead you astray. And he never will. I can't remember. I'll never forget, and I ain't talked about this in a while, but when the Lord told us, to, or told me, and Morgan hadn't, she, she didn't, she done what she was supposed to do. When we got married for us to leave Welcome Valley, and for me to come over here, I was the, I was the youth leader there, and the sound guy, and the mower, and y'all know the story. And I, I mean, when he told me to leave there, I'm like, are you crazy? This house, this, this church is literally... I mean, I wasn't preaching at the time, but still, I've done a lot of the church for the Robert, and it was literally 150 yards from the house. And I said, why would we not go there? Why? I mean, I don't have to drive 20 minutes to church. You know, I just walk to church if I want to. But the Lord, I, in my mind, I was thinking, he's crazy. Little did I know what he was going to do. When we made that decision to move, and that we were going to leave uh, Welcome Valley, before we even told the kids, I think, or maybe when after we told the kids at Welcome Valley, and told the pastor, 
my wife gets saved at the youth meeting. Would she have ever got saved if we, if we had moved? Or if we hadn't moved? I don't know. I, I, I can't answer that. But it was just funny that when we make that decision to trust God and to follow God, he puts us in a meeting where her life will change forever. And then two weeks later, I announced my call to preach. Would I have ever announced my call to preach? Doubt it. Because I don't know if the Lord, I think I could have ran from it. I could have stayed in my comfort zone and, and ran. From, but God may get you out of your comfort zone every once in a while. God may do that. God may say, this is your comfort zone. It's easy. Can I say sometimes as church members, it gets easy to come to church. It does. It gets easy to sit on a pew every Sunday, especially one like ours, where there is so much going on all the time. And there's always somebody to do it. Well, I, 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 I was talking to Miss Tina today. She was wanting to help out with Bible school. And I said, we have so many people helping out for Bible school. It's hard to find places to put everybody. It really is. Especially with a lot of the new families that are coming in and wanting to help. And, and it's, some, it's, a, it's a good problem to have. It really is. And, but I promise you, if you want to help, I'll find something for you to do. There's always something to do. But sometimes we get, and when, it's, when we get like this, it's so easy to get in our comfort zone and never better ourselves as a Christian and get to that next step. God is always moving. He is always, not, I'm not saying that God, he's the same yesterday and today and forevermore, he changes not. I'm not saying that, and I'm not saying that we should go with every, every new theme and every new fad that comes across the internet. I'm not saying that, but what I'm saying is God's always looking for the next lost soul. He's always searching for the next lost soul, and we should keep up with him so we're staying his will. We should keep up with it. And sometimes that means getting out of our comfort zone. That means sometimes that when we're at the grocery store, we're going to have to hand this person over here that we just kind of gave a snarl look to. We need to hand them a track. Just go ahead and tell them which church we come from, you know. That person you cut off in traffic and they're at the gas station with you, you may just need to hand them a track and get out of your comfort zone. And, but if you ever get out of your comfort zone, can I tell you, and as long as it's in the will of God, God will be there. He'll be right there. He's already, he's already blazing that trail for you. He's already blazing that trail for you. That's his place when he's out in front of you. The breaker who has broken all barriers and, and, and objects and, and obstructions uh, that are in our way. God has already broken them. He's already went before the Goliaths that we may face tomorrow. He's already went in front of them. Uh, let, uh, <laughs> there's so much to say right there. He's got, there uh, no matter what you're going to face tomorrow, God's going to, he's already faced it for you. He, I, I love that old saying. It says, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I sure know who holds tomorrow. That still holds true today. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I do know who holds it. Number two, let's look at the placement of the breaker. But then also let's look, number two, at the purpose of the breaker. Christ, the breaker, is found only once in Scripture, in Micah 2.13. In the midst of a description of divine discipline. Think about that. God is about to put some divine discipline on the nation of Israel and we find out that Jesus is the breaker. Right in the midst of all this. Let us pause and let our souls get a hold of the fact in there over the, the precious scripture that we just read. Just I, It took me a minute to really wrap my head around exactly what was taking place and what was happening. The book of Micah, you can read it parallel to the book of Isaiah. You can read it right along with them. You get to Isaiah chapter number 1, and, it, and the same kings that are mentioned right here in Micah, King Jotham, King Ahaz, and King Hezekiah, are mentioned in the book of Isaiah as well. They prophesied along the same time. 
I said it this morning in, in Sunday school. I said this. Isaiah would have been what we would call in our day the city slicker. He was the one that hung around the city. He was around the people. But then Micah was the country boy that hung out in the woods and could see everything from a distance and could see the city from a distance. And, and, and judgment is about the fall on the nation of Israel and on the city of Samaria. And that infection that Samaria had had now went to Judah and to all of Israel is about to be depleted down to a, as Isaiah said it, and I said it before, a very small remnant. We hear that word remnant in our Bible a bunch, tons and tons of times, but not many times do we hear it referred to as a very small remnant as Isaiah does. I believe it's verse number 9 of chapter number 1. We find out that, that they're about to be depleted. And at the very end of it, God says, I will surely assemble you together. There's a prophecy that takes place right there. A prophecy that Micah portrays will happen. He says, I will come and bring you again. And that was come to fruition whenever the Lord Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem victorious that day. When he rode in victorious on a donkey that day and assembled his people back together. It was, going to, it was the first step of putting Jesus back on the throne was him to go in Jerusalem. And then we find out that in John chapter number 4, when the, when the Samaritan woman, we can say it got saved, went back in one of the largest revivals that's ever taken place in the revival takes place, that has put Samaritan back on the Christian map, if you want to look at it like that. Put him right back on the map. That fulfilled part of this prophecy. The other part of this prophecy is when ultimate victory comes at the second coming of the Lord, and Jesus Christ takes his rightful place on the throne of David. That's when that happens. And we see that, and when all this has taken place, when we find out the breaker has come up before them, the breacher, the one who's cutting the path. And at the head, we're at the end of that verse, and it says, the Lord on the head of them. The one who's leading the charge is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ himself. That's his purpose. His purpose is to lead our charge. His purpose is to be in front of us and to guide us. Um, God, uh, the judgment is God's strange work. Think about this. He rejoices even in the midst of threatening to turn aside the utter gracious words of obedient souls. Surely the brightest and most slivery drops of love that ever dis, uh, uh, distilled upon men uh, have fallen in close connection with storms of divine justice. And so against the dreary backdrop, Micah proclaims this bright and brilliant vision of deliverance. Now, I could imagine as, my, as the people heard this, they already knew what God could do. God parted the Red Sea. They were expecting immediate change to take place. Little did they know that it would take hundreds of years for that to ever take place. Hundreds of years. And what this is saying is that Yes, Jesus and God is the breaker. He's the one that goes before us. And even when judgment falls, he is still there to guide. He is still there for when he, when he chastises his people, he is still there. Yeah, anybody ever, I, I heard old preacher say it like, yeah, anybody ever towed a whooping before? You miss God and towed a whooping. You met, when you, when, I'm telling you, there's been times in my life that I miss God when I knew I was supposed to do something. I knew that I, I towed a whooping right now lots of times. I got saved at a young age. I went through school saved. I got saved at six years old. I went through school saved. I played ball as a saved child. I know I got saved. But did I ever tell my teammates about it? Did I ever tell them about the Lord? Did I ever tell them how good God is? Did I, and I didn't. And I, I towed a whooping the rest of my life because some of them I'll never see again. Some of them I'll never see again. 
I'll never have another opportunity to share the gospel with them. And if, if they die and go to hell, their, the blood, their blood is on my hands because I didn't share the gospel with them. And I towed a whooping for that. And when we towed whoopings from that, God's still in it. You know, I, a lot of times when you're a kid and you get a whooping, your parents look at you and say, this hurts you more than it hurts me. I still don't think that's true because I don't, it don't hurt. It, it, it does hurt me to whoop them. It does. It breaks my heart, especially when, no, Daddy, don't. And then you still got to do it anyway. Uh, it does hurt you a little bit to do it. But God is in it. He's still there. His purpose is to be there for us no matter what, no matter if it's judgment, no matter if it's salvation. Look right here. On the cross, Christ was both the binder and the breaker. Paul writing that in Christ Jesus you were, who were formerly were afar off. Let me just read over here. Let me get the exact phrase right here. Let me just read. I had it just a second ago. I think it's still here. He says, For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall partition between us. I need to back up a verse. It says, but in, in verse number 13, But now in Christ Jesus, who sometimes, or now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Jesus. We were far off. There was something, there was a barrier between us and God. And it's called sin. And salvation broke that barrier. And when Jesus was on the cross, he broke the barrier. He broke the veil. We read the veil of the temple was torn from top to the bottom. That barrier was broke between it. He was the breaker of that barrier on salvation. The word breaker, I found when I was studying this out, that it is, is a deeper word than just what is used right here for face value in the book of Micah. It is a word that will go all the way to eternity with us because he broke the, I, I believe, in, in Isaiah, uh, the last verse of Isaiah talks about how God is going to bring us and, and when we get to heaven and, and, and after the tribulation and everything's taking place, and I believe that there's going to be a time when God brings us all back into his presence in heaven because there's apparently we can, I don't know what heaven's going to be like, but apparently we can go and, and kind of meander around heaven and, and, and explore what heaven's got. There's going to be a time where he's going to draw us back in and he's going to show us what he saved us from. You can sit over there and Isaiah's going to show us where he saved us from or show us, uh, remind us of what's taken place and what he's done for us. And I could imagine, I, I say that in a, because I don't know what heaven's going to be like, but I say that and I'm like, if we just see Jesus, we're going to be reminded of what took place. We're going to be reminded of what happened. We're going to be reminded of what he done for us. And, and, but anyway, I can imagine as we're in heaven, we're going to think, he broke those chains from me. Those chains of addiction that we may have had, he's broke them. Those chains of sin, he's, he's broke them. That word breaker is going to go uh, with us forever. And it's all because of what the finished work on the cross. Spurgeon says, Our breaker has swept out all the way of ordinances which has divided us, and we are now one in him. The distance was infinite, but now the nearness is intimate. The distance as a lost person is to God, that's an eternity distance. But because of the closeness of God and because of the blood and how he has broken that division between God and man, that infinite distance that's become from the lost soul uh, to God, that infinite distance has been brought down to a very intimate distance and a very intimate nearness that when we call on God as a broken sinner, we call on God as a broken sinner at that very moment, the eternal connection between the lost sinner and God is connected and it can never be broke. It can never, there's never can be a divide that can be put back in its place because of what God done and because of His blood and how His blood broke that wall that was between God and man. The uh, the breaker broke the barrier down, which law and sin had made. He did fulfill all righteousness and all full redemption paid. 
In, in Micah, in, this, in, our, in our passage of Scripture here, Jesus is depicted as our breaker, our good shepherd, uh, 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 leading us out of bondage. Our victorious king leading us to triumph. The great I am himself, the covenant who assures our eternal redemption and our head, our example, in whose footsteps we are to follow. I see the placement of the breaker. I see the purpose of the, of the breaker. But as we come and get us a verse of some song, I see the promise of the breaker. I see the promise of the breaker. He says, I will surely assemble all of you, Jacob. I will surely gather. Let me read it right. I, I, I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. I will put them together. Look down here and he says, the breaker has come up before thee. Is come up. So it's a very definite wordage here. Is come up. Uh, uh, the, the, gate, the, the, the Lord that is the head of them. We see those words, those definite, those confident words. Because it's the truth. It's because that Jesus has gone before us. Jesus is in front of us. And church, there's a promise that no matter what you face today, no matter what darkness that you may go home to tonight, can I tell you, Jesus is already there. He's already there. He's already been through it. He already know, it's not going to catch him off guard. Can I tell you, you may have woke up this morning in sin. That didn't catch God off, off guard. You may have woke up in, 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 in a place that you didn't even know where you was at. But didn't catch God off by surprise. He knew where you was at. God's there for you. Maybe you're here and you're lost tonight. And there are chains of sin that's bound you down. The breaker, he's already won. There was a finished work on Calvary. The veil has already been torn. The presence of God is there waiting for us. All we have to do is accept it. All you have to do is accept it tonight.